Well, we've been talking about David the last two or three weeks. We talked about David's three anointings, three different phases, and it was a really good way for us to identify the journey that we're on with God. And at every phase with God, there's unique challenges and there's unique opportunities. And there is definitely a progression with God. The more we walk with God, the more we understand our destiny, who we are, and more importantly, the more we understand who God is. Because that's what really life is about. Life isn't really about reaching our potential as much as it is uh, growing in a relationship with a God with whom we're going to spend eternity with. And so that's kind of the progression. And as we use uh, David as an analogy, a metaphor, as, as what's happening in his life, we see how God is working in our lives. And so now here is David. He is king. He's king not just of his family, not just of the tribe of Judah, He's king of all of Israel. And there's a place of establishment. There's a place of settling. There's a place of this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what God has for me. And sometimes we get to a place in life where we can say, okay, I didn't understand then, but I understand now. Some of you may be there. Some of you may still be uh, you know, reaching that place. It's all dependent upon where God has us on the journey. But if you're not there now, you will come to a place, it's God's will, where you can just say, okay, it's all starting to make sense now. I'm just, this is, this is the place where I'm settling in and I'm gonna be about the Lord's business. And part of that is God begins to bring you rest from your enemies. And I know we read a lengthy passage, but I want to highlight through, through the, the screen some of the scriptures that we see. And here's the first word that I want you to write down if you're taking notes is I want you to see as we're talking about God's purpose for influence is God wants to bring rest to you. God wants to bring rest to you. That sounds pretty good to me. What do you think? God wants to bring us to a place of rest. And, you know, we, saw, we sang today about this is how I fight my battles and, and inherent in that song was this message of rest. Like, you know, I, I'm surrounded by you. God, God's going to take us best share that beautiful scripture from Psalm 23 about the table of the Lord, some great revelation there. And, and so there are times that we have to fight a little harder and, and we learn to rest in the Lord. And then there's those, also those times where God says, just sit down for a little bit and enjoy the fruit of what I've done in your life. Sit down a little bit and, and begin to see how I have worked. So this is what he told David in verse one. When the king had settled into his palace, his king, the Lord had given him rest on every side from all his enemies. Verse eight and nine says this, and now this is what you are to say to my servant David. This is what the Lord of the army said. I took you from the pasture. This is the process, the three anointings here, from tending the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. So what is today's teaching about? Why does God do that? Why does God establish you? Why does God advance you? Why does God favor you? Why does God prosper you? Why does God put you at a place? Um, I have been with you wherever you have gone. And look, look at what I underlined on screen. I have destroyed all your enemies before you. I will make a great name for you like uh, the greatest on all the earth. Verse 10. Here's, here's what the, the Lord, the theme continues. I will designate a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may live there and not be disturbed again. And there at the end of this passage, you can see on the screen, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Now, let me ask you this question. It's a rhetorical question, so you don't have to say amen or anything like that. But think about it, ponder this. Do you really want rest from your enemies? Or do you enjoy the fight? 
Because some of us don't know how to rest. And honestly, we, we really don't desire rest because we don't know how to function without a fight. Now, there are times to fight and there are times to fight for what God has asked you to do or all types of reasons to do that. But if fighting is part of your identity, then you're not a man of peace and you're not a woman of peace. You have become an immature person not willing to abide in the peace of Christ or the fruits of the Holy Spirit because you don't even know how to function without fighting. And the Lord has something better for you. He says, I'm establishing you. Uh, There's a reason why you have a 25-year marriage. There's a reason why you've been at the same job for four years. There's a reason why, you know, your kids are healthy and and you're starting to make some progress in life. There's a reason why now uh, you're able to understand this is where I'm supposed to be geographically. There's a settling, and part of that settling is rest is good. God does not want you to fight forever. He only wants you to fight for a season. God says, I'm taking you, and as we we uh, referenced the last couple of weeks sermons. I'm anointing you once, anointing you twice, anointing you a third time because there's a time of rest that comes. There's a time of establishment, but we can't receive what God has for us if we don't want what God has for us. If, we're, if we just are not men and women of peace who don't let the fruit of the Holy Spirit manifest and cultivate in us, there's always gonna be strife in our life. And if you want to be a person of strife, there's plenty of reasons to be involved in strife. You can look for a fight. You can look for a problem. You can look for an issue. Or you can begin to say that because of the Lord and the Lord's establishing me, I'm just going to kind of try to live above all the mess, all the strife, all the pettiness, all the silly arguments, all of the offense, all of the uh, just getting offended by the way someone looks at us, the tone of voice they use. Listen, I, I'm not always the best at this and I have all kinds of stories where I've overreacted, underreacted, I've taken things wrong. And some of you have been here a long time now, you've lived through some of those stories with me, but this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the more I walk with the Lord, that he's enough, he's my best friend, he's my fulfillment, he's the one who is my, my greatest support. And you know what? If someone talks bad about me, if someone wants to you know, question my character, if someone wants to um, uh, tr- try to question my motive, I may correct it. I may address it, but I'm not gonna let it bring me down because I know the one who has entrusted me and empowered me and the one who, who has uh, filled me with, with the fruits of his spirit. Now, that wasn't in my notes and that all of a sudden sounded like a really defensive statement. That, that, that everybody's like, what's going on? Is anyone against Aaron? Not that I know of, okay? So that was a good time to bring that up. I think everybody's happy with me, you know? I know everyone's not happy with me, but at least I don't know of anyone not. <laughs> But, but the point I'm trying to make, is really not about me. I'm, I'm trying to give a, 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 a mindset here that there's a reason why God has established us. There's a reason why God has given us the things he's given us. There's a reason that God has blessed us and he didn't bless us to live a miserable life of conflict. He says, I'm bringing peace. I'm bringing peace to your enemies. I'm bringing a place of establishment and I'm, I'm bringing you a place where you can begin to create and live higher. And, and I, I believe that. I believe God wants to bring healing to many, many families. And, and you're the healer. You're the bringer of peace. You're the bringer of peace. 
Let's, not, let, let, let's allow God to, to move within our families. In the 1950s, a psychologist came out with um, something called the, uh, the hierarchy of needs, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now, I'm not a, I know some of you are professional counselors and so forth. I, I took a, my freshman year of college a psychology class. That's all my qualifications are. But Maslow's hierarchy of needs is really important um, to understand. It's not ancient wisdom. It's only been around since the 50s, since 1954. But we'll, we'll put this chart up here so it's kind of helped me. You know, the, the, the bottom thing we need, the, the basis we all need in life is food, water, and rest. That's why any humanitarian need, when we do missions work, it really doesn't do a whole lot of good to tell people Jesus loves them if they're starving and drinking dirty water. So we take care of basic needs first. Get them fed, fill their bellies, get them clean water, uh, give, them, give them shelter. Safety needs, talks about the geopolitical climate. We wanna make sure people have security. People aren't worried about getting robbed. People we're not worried about, we're, we're out of the survival mindset. Then this idea of intimate relationships and friendships. And then as we go higher up the hierarchy, this prestige and feeling of accomplishment. Now I want you to think about David here. David, we could superimpose this on First and Second Samuel, and he's moving from, the scripture said, from the sheep pen to the throne. And, and the higher you go, he's getting all of this food, water, security, safety, intimate relationships. And those kings, they had lots of those. Friends, you know, everybody wanted to be with them. A prestige and feeling of accomplishment. I mean, David was the man, right? Saul slain his thousands. David is ten thousands. Now this idea of self-actualization, achieving one's potential. And look at this, including creative activities, and so it is, is that when, when we're fed and we're safe and we're in relationship with people and we feel esteem, that's when we're able to create. That's when we're, we're able to do, do things according to, to this organization of information here. Now, I, I see this because here's the second thing that, that I, I want to bring from the scripture today. Here's a second word, evaluate. Another word for this is notice. When you're at the place of peace, when God has subdued your enemies, when you're tired of the petty fights, when you're tired of just letting the small things bring you down, when, you're, when you have just have no toleration for silly arguments, whether they're within your family, within the organization, I mean, you're just tired of hanging out at the water cooler, hearing people complain about the boss. I mean, you can only do that so many years. It's either, you know, get a new job or shut up, right? Thus saith the Lord Almighty. And when we're complaining all the time and we're complaining about stuff, we're, we're, we're not able to create, we're not able to evaluate, we're not able to move forward. And David came to this place where God had subdued his enemies and his enemies were no longer around him and he was safe and he was secure and he was well fed and he was in relationship with people. And all of a sudden he noticed something. He noticed that some things were not right. You know, that's one, part of the reason why God wants us to get our act together. I say that with love and kindness. I mean, God wants us to get our act together. I don't want to say this to put pressure, but I'm telling you this, this, this idea that he wants to advance his kingdom through you. And we're so preoccupied with the little things in life that are bringing us down that we're not able to notice what God wants to do. 
The majority of the New Testament, if you read the epistles, Paul and Timothy and John, they're not talking about revival or church organization very much. They're talking about getting along with people, keeping your mouth shut, standing up for the truth, uh, manifesting the fruits of the Spirit. And when we begin to feel ourselves established by that, then we begin to notice the world around us. And this is what David noticed. This is what he evaluated in verse 2. The king said, look, I'm living in a cedar house while the ark of God sits inside the tent curtains. This is an imbalance that should stir the soul. This is an imbalance. This is something that is an unacceptable observation. A mere man that we find out later on in the narrative in just a couple of chapters ends up committing a a, a very grievous sin, orchestrating a murder and committing adultery and just doing dark things. He's living in a palace of cedar. He is living in comfort. And then the very presence of the Lord, which is the hope of the world, has been intense for centuries. See, David was now at a place when he can begin to notice this ought not to be. This is not ideal. This is not God's will. This is not God's purpose. And so it is. I I want you guys to get at a place where you can begin to notice the world around you, where you're not so bogged down with the small things. You know, one person can say something to you and it can ruin a whole month of your life. Why give that person the power? Now, I know we're human beings. I'm not above it. I, I'm, I'm affected by stuff, by, by, by stuff I hear and all that and all the things I've already mentioned. But I do know this, that when I begin to pray and get into the word and get about the Lord's business, I begin to realize that those petty little things are just distractions, that he's calling me to notice the world around me. And at the time that I have here in this world, in this life, to make a true difference with with the time God has given me. So maybe you're like David, and you're telling Nathan, I have noticed that something doesn't make sense. God's presence shouldn't be in a tent while I'm living in a cedar palace. Maybe you have a great education, and you had parents who educated you, and someone you know is struggling in their life academically or professionally. Tutor them. Maybe you have an abundance of food. Probably all of us do here, the majority of us. But you recognize that people are hungry. Donate. Maybe you live in a cool, air-conditioned house, but you know of a senior citizen who whose house is too warm because they, they all they have is a fan and we're in 98-degree temperature. Get them a window unit. Maybe you know of, you've heard the message of Christ for decades. Some of us, we, we aren't just volunteers at VBS. We're like 40 years of VBS we've been going to. Since we were kids, the gospel's familiar. It's integrated into our life. It's part of who we are. But there are people who have not heard the message and haven't even heard what the gospel is, get involved in missions. This is what God calls us to do, to not live in our cedar palaces of comfort until we get to heaven, but to say, God, help me to see what is not right, what is not in balance, what is is not in alignment. And God, you have established me 
And you have given me rest from my enemies. And you have taken me from the pasture and you have put me into the palace. Now, how can I make a difference? How can I make a change? Together, we can do that. Here's what God calls us to do. It's like two points and one point. Engage and establish. Engage and establish. And that's what David did in verse three when he said, I've got to do something. And he he began a dialogue with a prophet, Nathan. We need to use our time of abundance to create. We're never more alive than when, when we are creating. You understand that? We have believed the lie that we'll be happy when we don't have responsibility and we don't have obligations. And can I tell you that people who don't have a vision anymore and don't have obligations and don't have something to do are often the most miserable people in the world. That's why wealth doesn't buy you happiness. That's why a lot of people with money don't even wanna live any longer. God establishes us and he gives us resources and he gives us healthy relationships and he gives us uh, ways to provide for our family and, and he gives us food and shelter and he gives us a sense of esteem and he gets us uh, relationships because he wants us to do something with them. I'm glad I live a comfortable life and I do. But that's not the goal of my life. The goal is to take my comfort and to do something with it. To engage. To to be able to to dialogue with people like the prophet Nathan. And, And many things start with conversation. And that's why our conversations need to be meaningful and useful. And watch out what you talk about. Because it's amazing what happens when you begin to talk. And something that might seem like the most far out idea that's something that you never would imagine as you begin to talk about it, there's a life to it. And so, so watch out. Some of you may be going on the mission field someday. You better watch out talking about that. Some of you, I believe God may call you to move out of the Southeast because we need churches planted in the Northwest and the Northeast and places where the gospel is not prevalent. And so watch out. Listen, God wants to take you on an adventure with him and he's gonna give you Blessing and prosperity and comfort, not because you're good, but because he wants you to be able to notice the world and say, because I've noticed the world, I'm going to engage and do something about the need in the world. It's about heaven touching earth. No longer do we just live as escapists. I hope that we just get by. In the good old by and by, I'm just holding on. I'm just trying to get into heaven. I hope God lets me in. God has already established that. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. He doesn't want you to worry about your salvation. He wants you to live out your salvation. Eternal life doesn't start when you get to heaven. The day you give your life to Jesus, when these who go into baptismal waters and it symbolizes what Jesus has already done, Eternal life starts here and heaven is coming to earth. Heaven is touching earth. That's why Jesus said to pray as it is in heaven. Let it be on earth. Let's have places where heaven is touching earth in new and significant ways. And when we create and when we engage and when we live our life to God's glory and build businesses and raise kids and meet neighbors and volunteer in our community and get involved in the places God wants us to get involved and do acts of service where we don't have to wear matching t-shirts to serve the Lord. Amen? You don't have to wait for a pastor to organize to serve the Lord. Just find a need and get after it. Find a need and engage because through you, heaven is touching earth again. 
And this is what Jesus, this is what the prophet said. Verse 10, I will designate a place for my people, Israel, and plant them so that they may live there and not be disturbed again. God plants you because he wants you to be fruitful. God establishes you because he wants you to have roots. Every time you get replanted, something dies again. That's why God says, until I replant you, you bloom where you are planted. Evil doers will not continue to oppress them as they have done ever since the day I ordered judges to be over my people. I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you, the Lord himself will make a house for you. Can I tell you, God's building a spiritual house for you, a place for you to encounter heaven, a place for you to see his presence manifest in your life. Yes, it is your apartment. Yes, it is your modular home. It is the place that you live, but it's also God's house. It's also your car. It's also your place of business. God's presence is with you everywhere your feet touch. Everywhere your feet touch, God's presence is with you. And he's establishing his kingdom through your sports team, through your choir, through the band you play in. God's establishing your kingdom through uh, through your customers. God's establishing your kingdom through your volunteer hours at the church. God is establishing his kingdom through your art, through the way you cook food. Uh, He's establishing his kingdom through your your creativity. Uh, Some of you can do amazing things with wood and with metal and that matters to God. God has made you a craftsman for a reason. Some of you are like me. You can just run your mouth. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, don't give me a tool. Don't give me any wood. Don't give me any metal. None of that will work, but I can run my mouth to the glory of God. And I can talk to people. And I can walk through hospitals and pray with people. And I can engage people who are overlooked. And I can walk through the grocery stores and and the retail places of this county. And I can look in people in the eye and talk to them and be the love of God. We all have gifts. We all have things we can do for his glory. But we have to let God establish us so we can notice and engage with the world around us. N.T. Wright wrote this. What you do in the present. By painting, preaching, singing, sowing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself will last into God's future. And so God, heaven is touching earth and we are an extension of his love and his power and his anointing and he's doing great things with us. And God told David, I'm gonna establish your throne forever. And so God's people sing about this in Psalm 89. I will sing about the Lord's faithful love forever. I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations with my mouth. For I will declare faithful love is built up forever. You establish your faithfulness in heavens. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn an oath to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build up your throne for generations. And so it happened through Solomon and it happened through subsequent kings. And then when Israel lost their kingdom and they they lost not just their king, but they lost their very country and they were scattered throughout the world. And then they were under the oppression of the Greeks and under the oppression of the Romans. God raised up a descendant of David. He was from um, Nazareth. He was not he was not part of royalty. He was not expected to be great. He lived 30 years in obscurity as a carpenter. But when God chose one who was in David's line, he kept his word and he said, I'm going to establish a kingdom that is not of this world.
world, not built off military power or the power of the world, but built through love. And that's the kingdom we're part of through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want us to stand together. Our gospel reading today is from Mark chapter six. It says, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. Look at what this descendant of David did. And when they had crossed over, they came to the shore at Gennesaret and anchored there. And as they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him and they hurried throughout the region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, and I, I emphasize that word, wherever he went, wherever this descendant of David went, wherever Jesus went, into the village, the towns or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplace and they begged him that they might touch just the end of his robe and everyone who touched it was healed. Can I tell you, this is still the spirit of Jesus is that we are a people who go. We take the gospel to every nation, to every country, to every person who doesn't know the name and everywhere we take Jesus, every village, every town, every country, the sick are made well. People, when they touch him, they are healed of their sin. They are healed of their loneliness. They are healed of their brokenness. They are even healed of their physical infirmities because Jesus makes the difference. He is the one that is touching the needs of the world. And so that's who we worship today. I want to ask that we just keep the kids out until we take our communion. But I want us to take communion just for a few minutes. If you're, if you're visiting with us today, uh, this is how we take communion. I won't give further instructions on that. Uh, but when you take the bread and cup and you can take it back and, and, and take it by yourself or with friends, here Pastor Deborah Jackson will be serving communion by intention when you take the bread and dip it into the cup, if that's the way you want to express. And we have stations at the back, stations here at the front, and you guys will have to kind of work together because it's a full room and working through the aisles. But if you want to take communion today, you're open to that and, and you're welcome to take that on your own. And as Beth leads us in worship, I'll be back in about five minutes and we'll bring the kids in at that time. And then we'll celebrate these water baptisms together. The table of the Lord is open. Let's respond to this great Jesus whom we love.